You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Please be seated. Thank you all for being a part of that interactive reading. And at this time, we invite our kids to head out to kids' ministry. We want to thank our kids and our kids' volunteers. Can we thank them real quick? Yes, thank you. Casey, thank you so much. Jamel's back there, and Lauren Austin, and Carolyn, a whole bunch of wonderful people. So we're so, so grateful. Well, as you may have heard, we're going to talk about bones. We're going to talk about breath, Holy Spirit. And let's find our way into this story. First, I heard the whispers in my morning class at school. And then I felt that growing sense that something had gone wrong. Those few with phones were getting calls. And more were heading for dining halls to gather around TVs and watch it all unfold. Airplanes buildings, smoke in the sky, ashes on the ground, and in the days and weeks to come, a nation in grief, crying out, our hope has perished, a valley of dry bones. The longer we live, the more likely we have those moments. Where were you when? Where were you when? For many baby boomers, it was, where were you when Kennedy was killed? For Gen X, it was Challenger or the fall of the Berlin Wall or Operation Desert Storm. As an ancient millennial, I remember those, but I especially remember uh, the advent of the internet. It was one day that it just happened. No, not really. (laughs) No, but I remember that coming I remember Columbine. I remember 9-11. Gen Z and Gen Alpha may now remember the death of a queen. They may remember George Floyd and monuments coming down and where they were when the world shut down in a pandemic, when the skies were empty. Remember that? And wildlife ventured onto city streets around the world, and the world once again was like a valley of dry bones. Well, today, when we read from Ezekiel and the valley of dry bones, we come into the presence of a people who have been through painful, pivotal moments. The Hebrew Bible, what we may call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible is the story of God's people called the Israelites. And it is story after story after story of life-changing moments. That's why they kept telling them, because they were life-changing moments. Their very name, Israel, came from this story of a man named Jacob who wrestled with a stranger who renamed him Israel, which means, it can mean wrestles with God. Did you know that? The name, the word Israel can mean wrestles with God. 
And you may know some more stories of these God-wrestling Israelites. They were enslaved in Egypt. You know that story? Enslaved in Egypt, they escaped. It's called the Exodus. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. They finally made it to the promised land, but it was far from perfect. They became a nation with kings, but the kings were often corrupt. Their little country split in two. Then armies of greater nations like Assyria and Babylon, they came knocking and knocking down, besieging cities, breaking walls, burning the temple. And by this time that Ezekiel is seeing bones, many of God's people have been carried away from their homeland. They've been carried away from Jerusalem into captivity in Babylon. They have lost their land. They are far from home. Their faith is all but dead. So Ezekiel has this vision of a valley of dry bones. And God says, man, these bones are the house of Israel. These are my people. They say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely finished. Now, people of God, does this resonate? Do you know what it's like for hope and faith to fall apart? Have you ever felt that? Are you feeling it now? I want to pause a moment and I want to contrast this with a critique that people sometimes make of religion. There's a line by 19th century German philosopher Karl Marx that has been translated, religion is the opiate of the masses. Have you ever heard that? Religion is an opiate of the masses or the opium of the people. Now, there's actually more context to that quote that is worth reading, but this has still been a bit of a rallying cry for skeptics of religion. And to be fair, I get pretty skeptical of religion too. But people say, hey, isn't religion just like a drug? Isn't it just a tranquilizer to dull our senses and distract us from what is really going on in this world? You ever thought that? And I wonder, I wonder what Karl Marx would have called Netflix. Hulu. More sadly, I wonder if Karl Marx would have used the same metaphor today when there is an actual opiate of the masses, opioids an addiction epidemic that in 2017 the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services declared a public health emergency. But really, I end up wondering if people who think religion is just a pipe dream painkiller, I wonder if they've actually read the Hebrew Bible. Because these are stories born of painful truth, of painful experience, these are stories that are not escapist. In fact, they are the opposite. They are the opposite. And here's a great example, Ezekiel. Ezekiel had a particularly painful job as a prophet. Before Jerusalem fell to the Babylonian army, there were other prophets, false prophets, who were running around saying that God would be God and God would rescue God's people. Everything was going to be all right. 
and Ezekiel was running around prophesying doom. How popular do you think he was? Not very. Not very popular. And he was tearing apart their faith. Here was this prophet tearing apart their faith. In one commentary, here's what I mean. In one commentary, scholar D.I. Block identifies four pillars of divine promise upon which God's people rested their faith at that time. And I want you to listen to this because if you have ever started to take faith apart, then these things may just sound familiar. Are you ready? First, they believed that they were God's chosen people. And this gave them a sense of confidence based on the power of God to ensure their welfare and protect them. There's a lot of stuff in the Hebrew Bible like that. Next, they believed that God had granted land to their ancestors and they had inherited that land and God would protect their land and the people would never be forced from it. Okay. Next, they believed that God had promised their government in Jerusalem that their dynasty, their political dynasty, King David and his descendants, would reign forever. And four, they believed that Solomon's temple in Jerusalem was the center of faithful worship, so God would never permit the city in which the temple stood to be destroyed. Okay? So their faith was about being specially blessed. It was about prosperity. It was about entitlement, about divine protection of their land, about divine blessing of their government, of their political structure. It was about religious superiority, guaranteeing God's defense. Do any of these things sound at all familiar, American Christians? And have you experienced this kind of faith falling apart? I mean, if these were pillars of faith in Jerusalem before Babylon came calling with its army, can you imagine how their faith fell apart in the aftermath? And that really brings us to Ezekiel. Here we are in the Valley of Dry Bones. The entire house of Israel, all God's people. So much faith has fallen apart after so many painful, pivotal moments. Can hope be restored? Can faith be rebuilt? Can breath return? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, only you know, O Lord. And to Ezekiel, the Lord says, Prophesy. Prophesy. Friends, if in this story we are the dry bones, the house of Israel, the, the, the people of God, if we are the dry bones, then we are here today not to be pro not sorry, we are here today not to prophesy, but to be prophesied to. Okay? We need to receive some prophecy. We are the dry bones of Israel. We are gathered to receive Ezekiel's prophecy over us. He says to you, to me, to us, 
the Lord God proclaims to these bones, I am about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you. I will place flesh on you. I will cover you with skin. But all the muscle and skin you can muster won't matter. You will not raise yourselves out of your graves back to life. When I put breath in you, then you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. In a few moments, we're going to close with a breathing prayer because this is an invitation to breathe. So before that, I want to extend to you the invitation to breathe, to breathe. This month in worship, we're talking about sacred invitations. I extend to you the invitation to breathe because in Ezekiel, after all, breathing isn't just the sign of life, but also it's the way to new life. Not just a sign, it's a way, it's a practice for God's people. Like bones and like babies, we can take our first new breath. And I don't know, but I imagine that more than a few of us have lived these last few years with something like bated breath. Always kind of, what's going to happen next? The next time I look at the news, the next time I turn on the radio, the next time I glance at my phone. And this fall, I invite you into the spiritual discipline of breathing. My spouse, Shay, has started playing trumpet in the Richmond Concert Band, and Shay finds, I have her permission to say this, so, um, Shay finds that for 90 minutes at band practice each Tuesday night, the intentional breathing that's required to play trumpet gives her a respite from some anxiety. So I can't do it. You do it, right? But... Controlled breathing. One of the most basic forms of prayer in Christian tradition is breathing. In Eastern Christianity, there's a mystical practice called hesychasm in which you use rhythmic breathing with a repetitive prayer. For instance, ready? You breathe in on Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then out on have mercy on me, a sinner. The Jesus prayer is what that's called. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You do that for five minutes, or you do that for five hours, or you do that whenever you're driving, and you see if that rhythm of prayer doesn't change you. I invite you into the breathing prayer that we offer every time we celebrate the Eucharist. Have you ever caught that? Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine. That is a prayer for the breath or the spirit of God to transform not just these elements, but also us, we who receive these elements. And finally, I invite you into the breathing prayer that is faith community. This whole community is a breathing prayer. 
together as one body, we practice this breathing rhythm of gathering and sending. You got that rhythm? We gather and we send. We work and we rest. Ebb and flow across pivotal moments and seasons. Just gathering on Sundays is a practice of that rhythm of breathing the breath of God. If faith has fallen apart for you, I will not waste your time offering an easy fix or even an altar call for your personal salvation because we are after something bigger here in the body of Christ. We are a gathering of dry bones. We are the house of God's people, and together we are here to receive God's Spirit afresh. So I invite you into that regular rhythm of worship this fall. Have you ever noticed? I hope you've noticed that when you leave after worship, something feels different. And you may go a few weeks without that, and then you come back and you leave and you go, wow, something feels different. It's because it's a spiritual practice. We don't do it just because like to mark things on a calendar or get a sticker or something. We could do stickers. We could do stickers. But, <laughs> but we do it to breathe. So I invite you into that regular rhythm. I invite you into the rhythm of small groups starting this fall with a practice session for everybody here after worship on Sunday, September 25th. What a rhythm of breathing together. Whatever your faith has been up to now, I invite you to consider that that is just the bones of what can be. Whatever your faith has been up to now, I invite you to consider that it's just the bones of what can be. Perhaps you thought these bones were all dried up, but who knows how they can live again. Only you know, O oh Lord. Only you know, O oh Lord. So can we close by letting the words of Ezekiel prophesy over us? I invite you, and please hear me, you can just decline, you can just sit there and rest, that's fine. But I invite you, if you want, to close your eyes. I invite you to put a hand over your heart. I'm not going to make you do a pledge or anything, okay? I invite you to put a hand over your heart, and you may feel the bones of your rib cage. There are bones in there. Thank God for your bones. And you may know that there are sinews there under your skin, intercostal muscle, muscles between your ribs. They expand and contract so that you can breathe. Thank God for your sinews. And for your skin. Thank God for your heart beating. Sometimes we forget that's there. And now focus on your breath. Focus on that miracle rhythm of inhale and exhale. Remember those words of the Eucharistic prayer. You breathed into us the breath of life. Thank God for breath. And now simply let Ezekiel's words prophesy over us. On each intake of breath, I will say, come from the four winds, breath. And then we'll exhale as I say, breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. Let's try that. We breathe in. Come from the four winds, breath. 
breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. Come from the four winds, breath. Breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. Come from the four winds, breath. Breathe into these bodies and let them live. One more. Come from the four winds, breath. Breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. Amen.